I've known for some time that this situation is completely unusual, out of control, unique, and definitely, God definitely has his hand on this situation. Because without God's hand on this situation, it will be <laughs> like the situation is completely unhinged. And it just, I don't know. It really frustrates me and it hurts me because, like, here I am trying to do my best. Like, here I am fighting every single day. Here I am giving, like, everything I can give for and to the situation. And it seems like in the position that I'm in, the person that I am, the person that I am and what I've chosen to do for God, I have no choice but to literally suffer. Like the people around and surrounding this situation, they want me to compromise or be in the gutter. Like they're literally okay with me being in the gutter. And God, he is keeping me. Without him, I wouldn't even have made it this far. But a lot of times, I cannot lie, it, it just feels like, you know, it feels like, you know, God is not, I feel like he's not doing all that he can. And I know that that's true because God, obviously God can do anything, which is clearly make the situation go away, make everything be okay. And this is clear, obviously, if this is how the situation is going, it's how God intends it. So I don't try to argue with that logic. But the frustrating part to me is that, you know, God must know that if it continues on like this, I'm not even going to be able to stay. I'm not going to be able to continue to fight. I can't continue to fight like this. I'm not perfect. I'm only human. And this situation is, I'm literally placed in the fire and placed in this situation and placed under these circumstances in order to get me to compromise in some way, in order to get me to conform. And it's sad because after all that I've done, after after all that I've been through, after all that I have, after all the fighting I've done, it seems like, you know, it feels like I, I, a lot of times I'm wondering, like, why, why isn't God doing more? Why isn't he doing more? But when you look at the, the situation, when you consider the situation compared to what it started as and how it was before, all the things I didn't know and all that I know now, all the things, you know, that I couldn't have possibly known or, you know, controlled or even done anything about to all the things he's shown me now. It's nothing short of a miracle. And I know that. And I'm so grateful, so, 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 so grateful for God because of that. And I'm not, I don't want to speak negatively, but oftentimes it's so frustrating because it's like, yes, I'm grateful. I'm very, very grateful. But what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to wither away and die? 
Is that what I'm... Because that's what they want. That's what Satan wants. That's what everyone wants. Like, nobody wants to see me okay. Nobody wants to see me thrive. Nobody wants to see me make it. And when I look at where God wants me to be compared to what other people are doing... Like, it requires me to be set apart. It requires me to maintain a certain level. But when I look to what it's, I feel like it's possible for him to be doing to make that possible for me, it seems like that's, like, how could I possibly do that? How could you ever possibly see me do that? You know, make it there. If you see how much I'm struggling, if you see how much I'm going through, and you're allowing me to be pushed to the limit. The Bible says that he will never give you more than what you can what more than what you can handle. But I've been so far past that. And to be quite honest with you, it's shown me that I actually don't know my strength. And so the reason why, you know, I haven't, you know, why that hasn't broke or why I haven't allowed that to hinder me or stop me from fighting continuously. It's because I realized that, you know, God is confident in me. God trusts me. God loves me. And he knows me. He knows what I'm capable of. And He's he knows that it'll happen. He wants it to happen for me. And he's placing me in a position for that to happen. But all I'm getting and all that I have right now is just problems and stress and hatred like I don't get anything else and if you if anybody were ever in my situation for longer than five minutes they will break I don't care what nobody say they will break they will give up they will have given in nobody nobody can do what I'm doing I'm literally hated by the world and I am like, I'm literally subjected. I'm subjected to a bunch of different, like, like seriously messed up conditions and situations because of, because of me fighting for God. Because I choose to fight. Because I choose to keep going. And because I choose to fight for what I know he wants to see me doing. But all I all it takes for me is to say, you know what, a little compromise won't hurt. Or, you know, why don't I just, you know, it's okay because I can just fit in with the world and I, I can still be sort of godly. Or I, as long as I have God in my life at all, even if I only listen to one gospel song a year, or even if I only go to church on Easter and Christmas, it doesn't matter. That's more than what a lot of people are doing. So that's okay. I could easily do that. And I'm sure the world would love me. I'm sure I wouldn't have to deal with so much hatred. I'm sure I wouldn't have to deal with so much stress. I'm sure I wouldn't have to go through so much. Why does it feel like when you fight the hardest for God, he allows people to fight you so hard? When God is supposed to be fighting your battles, why does it feel like... I'm like literally fighting alone. And I know that that's not true. I know that God is fighting for me because if if not for God, I would never be able to survive in such a situation. But if not for God, I wouldn't even be in it.
So it's frustrating because I know that I'm being fought so hard because of my belief in God. And that's enough to make anybody never give up, right? Unless you are me. I don't care what nobody says. Nobody's doing this. God has shown me where I'm at and where everyone else is at. And nobody's doing this. And when I call people out about that, they just hate me. I just have to suffer because I know where I'm at and I know where they're at. I know the compromises they've made. I know the things that they're willing to overlook because they're not willing to fight as hard. Nobody is willing to put as much work in. When God puts them all up to the start line, he's like, this is what I require from you. And they're like, I'm not doing all of that. I'm not doing all of that. And matter of fact, I don't feel bad because I don't think nobody would. Ain't nobody doing all of that. I love God, but he just going to have to take whatever I give him. And then here comes me like, nope, you know what, God? I'll be that one. I'll do all of that. I want to do all of that. I know I can. As long as you support me, as long as you're there for me, as long as you love me, I'll do all of that. And... I feel like I'm slighted. <laughs> I feel slighted. And that's just what it is. And it's like, when I talk about this and I'm so frustrated, I'm so hurt and I'm so tired, then I get the help. But if I never, ever, ever spoke up about anything, if I never said anything, what help would I have? What help would I have? I would just wither away and die quietly. And I'm sure everybody around me would lie and pretend as if they cared. Why do I have to why do I have to speak up and spell it out for me to get the help that I obviously need that you know about? I know you know about it because how you know about that? You know, how you know that, you know, I need it, like how how can you tell? Well, how are you trying to get me to compromise? How are you trying to get me to take lesser if you don't already know that I'm already struggling so much to do more? You must know what I'm struggling to do more to try and get me to compromise for less. You cannot tell me you're not aware of the help that I need. Matter of fact, you're contributing to me needing that. You want to see me struggle. You want to see me hurt. You want to see me in pain. And then once I, once I actually die or some or worse or once something really bad happens to me, then you want to act like, oh, you know, I feel bad now. Why didn't you feel bad when I was trying so hard? Why doesn't anybody feel bad when somebody's fighting hard? You only feel bad when they lose because that's what you want. You want them to lose so you can say, oh, you know, nah, I got a reason to feel bad. I don't feel bad for you if you're fighting to win. I only feel bad once you lost and gave up. That's when I feel bad. Because that's what you want to see. You can't stand to see somebody striving to be better. And then it's the people who want you to do well, but don't want you to do well enough. Excuse me, not even well enough. It's the people that want you to do well, but don't want you to do better than them or really good. 
They don't even want you to do really good. Like, yeah, I actually, you know, I wanted you to be okay, but I never saw you really shooting for the stars like that. I never wanted that. I never wanted that. And then the the most messed up part about it to me is that they all have each other to comfort themselves. They can all sit in crowds. They can all sit in groups and sit around talking about, um, oh, look at her. And, you know, she's this, she's that. They're lying to each other. They're lying to themselves. And they have people to validate that. They have people to comfort them. They have people to talk about that with. But when it comes to me, I am isolated. I'm alone. And it's on purpose. They're isolating me. And they're oppressing me on purpose. So that I get so tired of this situation that I compromise and come down to their level because they can't stand to see me where I'm at. How dare you be an example of everything I'm not willing to do? How dare you be an example to of a level I'm not willing to go to or be at? And I understand like it's my situation is not ideal. Like, a lot of people will say, actually, you know, you could be doing better. Or you could be doing this or you could be doing that. And I got a lot to, I could say about you. And it's like, so why do I have so much hatred? Because if I could be doing so much better and it's a lot you could be saying about me, then why are you so mad at what I'm doing now? Why are you so mad? Don't tell me you're mad because you want me to do better. Because every time I try to do better, you do nothing but stand in my way. So why are you so mad? It's because in reality, I'm already doing very well to you. You can't admit it. You hate it. And you would hate to see me do better. Because I don't, I'm not trying to speak for you, but sometimes I feel like in your head or in your mind or in your heart, an example of somebody doing that is an example of everything you're not doing. Is an example of everything you lack. Is an example of how much a hypocrite you are. Just like all those Pharisees and scribes who knew the Bible like the back of their hand, they walked around in the royal attire, robes, whatever you call it. They walked around preaching with long prayers and their whole lives were surrounded by God. And all they talk about is, you know, sin and what's right. And the only thing they ever did all day was condemn other people for not doing what they were supposed to do. And then turn around when Jesus comes and he's a perfect example of everything they teach all day. They sat up there and they crucify him for no reason. Like, I don't know. I really don't know. Because that's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like that's the world. Like, literally, that's what Jesus said. That's the world. That's the world. Like, everybody's talking about all the good stuff that they're doing and how good of a person they are. And all they, everybody does all the good stuff for everybody to see. But when somebody comes around who really embodies that, they try and kill that person. They want that person dead. They never want that person to survive. And if that person dies, guess what? You know, the, the, I don't want to say, I don't mess this up, but the best thing I just heard lately is about the power of the author. The real power of the author is the power to rewrite history. The power to tell the story how you, how you see fit. Never actually the truth. Like as an author, you don't have an obligation to tell the truth. You have an obligation to write it how you see fit. 
So it's like, if, and I've always found this interesting, but it could be a duel between two knights and whoever is alive afterwards, no matter how, no matter how it happened, no matter how noble the knight who may have died in combat was, whoever is alive afterwards is the one who's able to write the story. So, for example, let's say there's two knights. One of the knights, they died in battle. They fought to the very end. They killed hundreds. And they was very noble. And they, they literally bled out to death. The other knight hid underneath a rock until the fight was over. After everything happened, the knight that hid underneath a rock went and wrote in history that he was the noble one who killed over 200 soldiers. When really he watched his brother bleed out and die while he hid under a rock. This is the world we live in. I could sit up here and fight to the death of me. After I'm dead, people will be talking about how I either they'll be saying that I didn't do anything or they'll be talking about how they really cared and tried to help. They'll be talking about how, you know, they actually was on the right side when really what it really was and how it really happened is I sat up here and I fight for I fought for me. I fought for everybody else and I fought for God while I was antagonized, harassed and left to die. By each and every single last person around me, except a few people, which honestly, I'm not even going to lie, didn't do enough. So I hate to, you know, I hate to poop on everybody's parade. I hate to be honest. I hate to be the one that, you know, is. I'm going to be honest, the most like Jesus, that's just what it is. That's just what it is. I don't care what nobody say, but I hate to be that one, you know? No, I don't. I don't hate it, but I hate, you know, the backlash of persecution that clearly goes with it. But the Bible says, thinking not strange when these things start happening to you on behalf of God. I've always been a demon hunter. I've always been anointed by God. I've always been this person. But these things didn't start happening to me until God appointed me to a certain position. So I have no choice but to believe that everything that's happening is what's supposed to happen. It's all a reflection of everything that he wants me to see. He's been telling me this is going to happen. He's like, I'm telling you this is what's going to happen. And then once it starts happening, I can't do nothing but laugh like God. Wow. So this is what, like everything you said was going to happen is happening. Everything that you said about them is true. The whole time I sat there like, no, God, no. Like people want to be better. It's not like that. It's not like what you think. Like all you have to do is show them you, show them who you are like you have shown me. And I'm sure that they will be better. I'm sure that they would do better. There's no way anybody could ignore your goodness. There's no way anybody could continue on that way. People aren't as bad as you say, God. And I'm telling God who has so much faith in us, so much faith that he has ceased to wipe us out from existence. He's the he's the faithful one. He's the forgiving one. He's the merciful one. He's the gracious one. And I'm telling God that we're not that bad. Me. 
Remember, our ways are not like him. We're not nearly as forgiving. We're not nearly as merciful. We're not nearly as gracious. We're not nearly as caring or faithful as God. We could never be. Imagine God thousands of years of watching this mess. Thousands of years of watching all of these people. All, each and every single last one of us just be wicked and think evil thoughts. In the Bible, it said God saw our hearts and he saw the heart of man. And he saw all of the evil, wicked thoughts that men had since since childhood. They thought nothing but evil and wicked thoughts. There was no one good, not one. And I'm sitting up here like, no, God, we can do this. You just have to give us another chance. Like, give us a chance to show you that we can keep your promise. Give us, keep our promise. Give us a chance to show you that we can follow the Ten Commandments. Those Israelites that broke the Ten Commandments, that, I, that idolized, that did all those things, they weren't us. They weren't us. I'm not them. I wouldn't do that. I would be different. We could be different. You have to give us the same chance you gave them. You know, forgive us enough to do that. And God is really fighting his better judgment. And I know God is, he's the only just judge. God is, he can, he, you, you would say that, you know, God knows better than you. You can't change God's mind. You can change God's mind though. Moses changed God's mind. Hezekiah changed God's mind. Us, King David changed God's mind. Even though God knows everything, even though God's the only just judge, the perfect just judge, even though his judgments are perfect and he knows what's going to happen before it happens, you can still change his mind because he knows better. But out of pity, he gives us chances. He shows mercy. That's what he's that's what he does. That's how he's described. Merciful and gracious. So God is telling me, nah, like I can't, I don't even think like, are you sure everybody would even want that chance? I'm like to be the holy nation, to rule over all other nations, to be at peace, to be unified, to be the people you always wanted us to be and to possess the power you always wanted us to have. Of course we would. Why wouldn't we? God is like, because, they, because, listen, I don't want to break your heart because you're innocent. But you guys love your sin. You guys love your sin. You love your sin more than you love me. And I said, but God, okay, maybe you might be right about no, you. I know you're always right, and you might be. I know that I used to be like that, but imagine if you showed everybody you, if you showed everybody you like you have shown me you. Because at first I loved my sin, but look at me now. Now I want to prove this to you. Now I want to work hard for you. Now I want to. I want to make good on our promise. I want to make. I want to take responsibility for my ancestors. Who broke that promise to you? Who did not follow those Ten Commandments? I want us to be the holy nation that you have always hoped for. 
I want to make a difference, Lord God. And I know that we can do it. All you have to do is show them what you've shown me. Like, honestly, at this point, what you've shown me, like, I'm not perfect and I know I still got work to do, but I'm willing to do it. I'm changed. I'm willing to fight for you. Before, I, I was in my sin thinking, like, what's the point? What does it matter? It doesn't make a difference. But now that I know you, there's no way I can think that. I'm changed. I'm sure you can change anybody if you can change me. And God said, you're going to see because I'm going to give you that chance. He gave me the opportunity. Right then he decided. He said, I'm going to give you that opportunity to make good on that promise. I'm going to place you ahead of the nations. I'm going to appoint you. I'm going to make you a leader. I know you can't see yourself doing that now. I know you look at everything that you're doing and everything you're about right now. You think me? Yeah, right. Just like Moses did. But that's what I'm going to do for you. And this is around the time he asked me, I can have anything I want. What do you want? And I said, wisdom and discernment so I can be able to lead these people like you want me to in the manner that you want me to. Because I can't see myself being able to lead a people when I can't even, you know, when it's hard for me sometimes to even lead myself. I don't know what I'm doing. So I want wisdom and discernment. I want you to show me. I want you to help me. Like, I can't do without you. There's no possible way I would know what to do. Or I would be able to, you know, I would be responsible enough to tell somebody else what to do without you. And he said, you remind me of somebody. And then he gave me the memory of me learning about King Solomon. Everything I could remember about King Solomon he reminded me of. And then I remember, oh, right. It's in the Bible. This same thing happened with you and King Solomon. And it's funny because I couldn't believe that God. No, actually, I wasn't going to let up. I pressed on to God. I pressed on to God many, 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 many different times and asked him to give us another chance. I fell on my face, I cried, and I begged for us to get another chance to make good on our promise. For us to be the holy nation. For us to, for him to be able to finally see that the hope that he has for us to be a better people is possible. Because a lot of people say, that, you know, if God really wanted it to happen, he's all powerful and can handle everything and do everything. Then why doesn't it just happen? Because of free will. God doesn't want robots. We're made perfect in his image, which means we are creators and creative. And how can you be creative if somebody's always having to create for you? Now, that being said, that's a little complicated because God does always also create through us. But still, regardless of anything, he doesn't want robots. He wants us to choose him. Why does God want us to choose him? Because the first thing you always say about somebody 
who didn't give you a choice is, can they really be that great if I didn't choose them for myself? That's why he wants you to choose him because he is that great. He doesn't have to force you to choose him. If you see how great he is, you'll choose him. And I I believe that. I believe that since he showed me who he was. I believe that. And so he told me, he showed me what he was going to do, who he was going to make me. And you know what he told me in the process of everything before he finally told me what he was doing? He told me everything that was going to happen. He told me that my heart was going to be broken. My heart was going to be broken, but my vision was going to be made more clear. Because I believe that all people had to do was see God. All they had to do was see him for who he was like I did. And it's like nothing else matters. He's worth more than anything and everything. He's great. Nobody could fight that. Once God puts that love and that compassion on your heart, you can't fight that. If you fight that, like, you can't. (laughs) You just can't. Like, I couldn't. And I'm not perfect. If If he can change me, he can change anybody. And... Then he showed me what was going to happen. He told me what was going to happen. He said, I don't want you, I don't want to break your heart. I don't want to tell you, I don't want you to see, I don't want you to know, you know, that this, not I don't want you to know, I want you to know, but I don't want to have to show you how really wicked people are. I know you have an idea because of what you've been through in life, but you have no idea how deep this really goes to the extent People really are like this really goes like people are very wicked. He didn't he couldn't even tell me he like he said, I can't show you because if I like I just can't I can't even see you hurt like that. I will show you just a piece, just a little portion and it will change your vision forever. Just a small little piece. You would be thinking that I showed that your whole world has been turned upside down. And that's just a little piece of what I see on a daily basis. And he told me that. He told me that people were going to reject him even after knowing 100% what was going on. After he showed him, after he showed them him, after he told them what it was that he wanted for them, after... You know, even after they knew what they would be getting, how they would be okay, how there would be peace in the world, love, no more hurt, no more pain, no more struggle. And that he loved them and was willing to forgive all of their sins and move forward and make us who he always wanted us to be. He told me that people would still reject him. He told me, you think that they they do this because they don't know who I am? You think they do this because they haven't experienced me? No, I can show I can show them you show show them me, excuse me, like I've shown you me. And they will still reject me. And I said, absolutely not. 
I said, I, I didn't even say it because my heart said I could never imagine it. Never. Like, that's not even possible. To me, that's not even possible. And God just didn't even, he didn't even want to tell me. He just, he couldn't, he couldn't do it. He couldn't break my heart. But he knew that this had to happen. Not that he had to break my heart, but that we, in order to move forward, I had to see people's real nature. I had to know for sure. I had to know for real that people choose wickedness. They choose Satan. They choose to fight good. And then they lie. They fight good, choose evil. And then when other people are looking or when it's time to put on a show. That's when they pretend like. This is what's good. This is we need good. Good and preach good. They're hypocrites. You think because what you see, you think because of all the people who you see in church on Sunday. You think because of all the people who preach God, who claim to love Jesus, who claim to, you know, accepted Jesus as their love and Lord and Savior, that you will have a whole army behind you fighting for this, don't you? No. It will be just you. Just you. And guess what? I'll show them whatever it is you think that they need to see. Still just you. And they're proud of it. They're proud of it. And it's not and it's not always because of what you think, because I was saying, God is because of the hurt, it's because of the pain, it's because of the trauma, it's because of the sin we've had to endure. Like, we're just a product of what we've been through. And God is like, it's not even just because of that. Some people are just wicked. Some people, they do it just because. It's not because of anything I've been through. It's not because of anything I feel that I'll I'll go through. It's just because I want to. It's only because I want to. Matter of fact, it could not even be fun. And I'm still going to do it just because I want to. No real reason, just because I want to. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. Because I thought to myself, at the very least, at the very minimum, they do this because of the hurt and the pain they have endured. At the very minimum, you know, past them not knowing what they're doing. At the very minimum, if they know what they're doing, they're doing it because of all the hurt. Nope. Not even that either. God told me everything was going to happen. He showed me everything that was going to happen. He told me about all the people who are going to try to stop it. All the people who never wanted to see it. He told me about all the people who will sabotage what's going to happen. Just because they don't want to see their own people do well. Like we will really... Sink the whole ship just because we don't like, you know, the sailor. We're going to sink the whole ship because we don't like the captain. 
that it's just it's it's a mess. It's a mess and it's sad, but guess what? He showed me what's gonna happen. He showed me the outcome of the situation. He showed me everybody being woken up. Excuse me, awaken. He showed me everybody being awakened. Everybody growing. He showed me everybody different. No longer hypnotized. No longer brainwashed. No longer wicked. No longer sinful. No longer weak. And he showed me the head of all that. The head. Me, a woman? Yep. And I was very young, might I add. But I will add that, you know, I still don't know the timeline because I, I try to base, like, oh, when is going to happen off of that? Because, of course, I'm excited to get to that point. I try to base off when it's going to happen. And I realized that, you know, like women in my family actually look really young for a long time. On both sides. So looking at my age or how I looked in the vision was really no way to tell. But he gave me a hint. He told me that I would, re- I would retire early. I would retire young. But what is young compared to God, right? We're all kids to him. All of us, even 100-year-olds. We're all kids to God. Because God is not bound by time. So that's still not that good of a hint. Only God knows the day and the hour. I would say I looked about 30. I'm 24 now. Things are manifesting now. Haven't manifesting since I was 22. It's, un- it's unignorable. It cannot be ignored. It cannot be stopped. And trust me, they'll stop at nothing to see it stopped. But I can't say that I was 30 when it happened. Because I just don't know. God's young. May not be my young, but he does know my heart. He does know how I think. He does know what I consider as things. So he does tell me things based off things I would understand, but not always. A lot of sometimes God tells me things based off what I will understand. And that's why you can never, if he doesn't tell you something, if he doesn't specifically tell you something that you've asked, because I asked many times, and he doesn't want you to know. You can't bet. You can't guess. You can't guess because if he wanted you to know, then you would know. And if you could guess, then that means he would want you to know. So I can't guess because he doesn't want me to know when it's going to happen. He just wants me to get there. I will get there. He showed me how that happens. But the one thing that God told me that before this happens... He said one day, well, he said very soon, very soon. And the reason if anybody's like, well, he said very soon. But the reason why I said about that, because the very soon for God, like God sees our lives as very limited. Like we live to be 80 to 120 years old. Right. 
And that's only a small amount of time compared to God's eternity. So him saying soon, think about it. In heaven, you know, a thousand years is one day for God. So one day in heaven equals a thousand years here. And he can say very soon. And that could be, you know, you don't know when that is. But I'm not saying I'm not doubting God at all. I know what he meant. He meant very soon. He said very soon. And he said. It's going to be good forever. You're going to get everything I've ever you've ever prayed for everything. And I said, but God, now the little things I can I can understand, like I've prayed for, you know, prosperity. I've prayed for my family be okay. I've prayed for, you know, always be with you. I've prayed to understand the Bible. I've prayed to know the Bible very well. I've prayed like a bunch of different things, but I've prayed big things. I've prayed peace on earth. I've prayed, you know, for us to be, you know, the holy nation that we were meant to be. I've prayed for... You know, first of all, I pray for us to never die. I pray for, you know, what I pray that what Adam and Eve ruined to be reversed. I pray for that pretty much. And he said, yeah, all of that. And then some. Like, you can't even imagine what it is I'm going to do. And all of this, he said, is going to be good forever. But before, it's good forever. And when he said forever, I said, wait, forever, God? Like, you mean forever? Yeah, forever. Like, never ending. Good forever. But before that, it's going to be the hardest it's ever been. And I said, God, what do you mean the hardest it's ever been? Because, you know, I've had some hard situations. I've like, my life has been hard. My life has been really hard. But God is like, and I knew that when I said it. I mean, hard. Like, when he said it, the one thing that I definitely understood was that this was going to be you know, life-changing heart, life-altering heart. So very hard, like, not just hard in my idea of heart, not just hard in, like, the strongest person I probably know, idea of heart, God's idea of heart. That means really hard, like, really, like, when he said it, I was like, oh. But he said, then it's going to be good forever. So just trust me. He told me this one day in passing. Like I was just spending my day with God and just, you know, glorifying him in his presence, lifting him up, drawing night to him, just feeling so good, so great. This is after he had given me peace. This is after I prayed to him every single day. This is after I had just he had just been leading me to so much information to find out who I really am and where I really come from and what's really going on in this world. And 
He just told me, caught me off guard with it. Like I was just in bliss. And then when he told me, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because I thought to myself, what have I done to deserve this sort of anointing? Who am I? Like literally, not too long ago, I was embarrassed even, you know, listen to gospel music in public. I was embarrassed to, I was embarrassed of God and I hated to admit it. Not too long ago, I was, you know, so in my sin that I didn't even think about God. I wasn't even thinking about him. He had to remind me that he's there. What did I do to deserve that? Who am I really? I think if it's anything that makes me significant in any way, because the the key thing here is humility. The key thing is humility, period. Humility and complete submission to all that God wants for you. But that's not hard when you know what he wants for you. What he wants for you is better than you could ever want for yourself. I think the key point here. It's probably, like I said, humility. If we could all just be humble, let go of our pride, let go of our ego, let go of our vanity and our arrogance, man, we would move mountains. It only takes faith the size of a mustard seed. That's all it takes. Pride is in, like pride is like the biggest hindrance the biggest delay and the biggest setback is that pride man i battle with that too i battle with that daily it's the pride without that where we are where we need to be or significantly closer but i just want to talk about that and I just wanted to mention that, you know, I noticed that I feel like I'm fighting so much. I feel like I'm fighting daily. I'm fighting my own people. I'm fighting my own people to save my own people. You know, when you're when somebody's drowning and you try and save them, but then they're so panicked that you both drown. Or you, they almost drown you. That's what it feels like. It feels like I'm trying to save my people from drowning. But they're so... Panicked, I guess. That they're drowning me. But God is my life raft. We'll be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be great. I know we can make it. I know we can do it. And God already showed me the outcome of the situation. He said, you will have this. This will happen. And God has never broken a promise. Ever. Ever. There's no reason that God would show me that. And that's not what I'm, that's not what's going to happen. Because, like... He's not a God of fairy tales and he's not a liar. 
He doesn't lie. He's never lied. The devil's a liar. The devil's lying to me, telling me I won't ever get that. I won't ever get there, and I will. On another note, life is too short. Life is far too short to give up, to give in, to let go of God. It's too short. It's too, too, too short. So I pray that you store your treasures up in heaven where they will be there forever. They cannot be stolen, plundered, or destroyed. Store them where they matter. Have confidence in God and get your blessing. At this point, I guess I just got to promote, promote, promote my podcast. I wasn't promoting my podcast as much because I felt like when the time was right, it would come across the right ears. But I think I need to promote more. I need to find more people like me because it it's amazing. Like, I think that people will find it so amazing if you found, like, if you were around and you noticed how people act because it's just me. Like, it literally be a bunch of different people screaming at me and talking to me crazy and just talking outside my window really loud and crazy. Like, like it's a bunch of me. No one is a bunch of them. God told me, like, that means they're intimidated by me. But still, that's so cowardly. They are such cowards. They literally sit outside my window talking. So much mess. Bold. But if it were a bunch of people around me, if it was more than just me, they wouldn't say a word. They would not say a word. They are cowards. But um, one of these days, I'm going to catch them. One of these, because I know y'all can hear it in the background, but y'all can't kind of make out what they're saying. But one of these days, I'm going to catch them because they actually throw rocks in my window, too. They throw rocks in my window. They stand outside my window talking mess all day and daring me to say something just so I can say something to them. And then a bunch of different people argue with me. Like, how are you tough? Since when does that make you tough? I just want to know. In what world does that make you tough? Where it's a bunch of different people against one person, you feel big. Like, I'm going to record this one day. They get real bold and they get real confident. They get real, I don't know what to call it. Like, um, they just get real comfortable because it's just me. But I know for a fact if it was like four or five more people like me, they wouldn't say a word. And that's cowardly. But it's okay because that's jealousy. Like, in what world can you sit inside your room on your business and it's a bunch of people outside your window 24-7 talking about you? Where do they do that at? But that's okay because it kind of shows me and confirms I am who I am. Like, I know for a fact I'm not about to be sitting outside nobody's room window screaming anything to them, trying to be loud or trying to make them hear me talking about them, knowing that it's just them 
just the just that one person and I have a I'm just talking about them in a big crowd. Like I can't even see myself in that position because it's weak. It's it's more than weak. It's like it's pathetic. It's super pathetic, but it's okay because I realize like they just want to provoke me so that they can have some type of excuse for talking stuff and talking mess to me, even though it's no excuse when it's more than one of you. And you, it will never be just one of you because you know that I will beat just one of you. If there's just one of you, you know, you have no chance. So you have to jump me. So I guess it is even by then, huh? But regardless of anything, like, I just I just find it so creepy and weird. Like, it's like, do you have something to do? Do you have a life? Like, you don't have nothing. I don't understand how somebody can even be outside my window that much. With nothing else to do, like. You don't have something to tend to at all? Nothing? Is this your job? Are you getting paid? What is the pay rate for you to be so dedicated to it? Like, I wish you guys could wait. I'm going to see if I can catch them. Any other time, you are so bold. Tell them about the those spells and them demons you be putting on me, you witch. No, no voodoo doll today. At this point, I can't even provoke them to say something because they know better than to say this and get this, for me to get this on recording and expose them to the world. But you tough. <laughs> like, you proud of your position, though. That's never. Like, I would. That's embarrassing. Tell them about that day where I heard them demons coming at y'all. Tell them about that day y'all was screaming because demons was coming off of you. Tell them about how the how you throw stuff in my window. Tell them about how, how I almost catch you throwing something at my window. Then you ran into the car and ducked your head off like, like I didn't see you do that. Tell them about how you getting paid peanuts for this. If you getting paid at all. And that's just pathetic. 
Say my name louder. Tell them how you got your kids out here contributing. Tell them about how much of an example you are. Like, I wish they were as bold as they are when I'm not recording. I really wish that they would be so much bolder because when I was just across the room, you can hear them so loud, but now that I'm right here waiting for it to hear what they got to say, they never say nothing. And it's so funny because it's like, even at this point, like, I know God is right there intimidated by me. And he tells me not to respond, not to even feed into it because they so thirsty. Like, they wait for me to wake up and then they, they, so, they get so thirsty when I even respond or even pay attention to them. Like, I literally have to practice ignoring them because if I even pay even just the slightest amount of attention to them, they literally get so excited. Like, oh, my God, she's paying attention to me. Oh, my God. Like, I've never seen people act like this. Like, that's because they're not people. They are demons. And I remember one day worshiping and just praising God. And I remember how the demons acted when I showed up. When I showed up in the spirit, the demons are talking about, she's here, she's here. This is this is how they act. They're demons. If I start worshiping God right now, you probably hear them scream out. I can never catch that on camera. I can never catch that on record, but I'm going to start recording all the time. So you can hear them screaming out when I worship God. so frustrating because I felt like I have to fight constantly in order to maintain excuse me maintain a position that is supposed to be for me and if it's for me then why when I'm not fighting why when I'm not doing a certain level of like I'm not maintaining it like I can lose it if it's for me I shouldn't be able to lose it no matter what I do and so like often like I'm starting to find myself in this position where for like you know it's just not worth it it's just not worth it like I'm 24 years old and even after all of this 
I could, even with all I've done, it could still possibly mean nothing. It could still possibly mean nothing. So it's like, what's the point? If this is what I would have to keep doing, if this is how I have to keep living, um, it's not worth it. I hate to say that, though, because God is worth it. God is always worth it, but this not worth it. And honestly, the whole time I've known, like, what I'm doing is everything that I can until I can't. And it's going to come a time where I feel I've done all I can and I'm going to I'm going to, what's what I'm looking for? I'm going to retract. Like, I'm going to pull away and let go. I'm going to release. So, this is what I feel like I'm doing now. Like, I feel like I'm doing this now. Like, I'm just like... I feel like there's supposed to be some sort of control over the situation and how it's handled. And it's like everything in my body, everything in my soul, everything in my mind, everything in my heart, everything like common sense screams, let it go, walk away, like walk away from the situation, leave it, let it, let it be. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You know, if it got to be that all the always, if it's constantly that, like, you have to leave that and find your tribe because this world is way too big. This world is way too, it's way too many people in this world to be trying to, you know, to be tolerated. It's way too many people in this world to be tolerated. So many different people with different views. I'm sure a lot of people who would have the same views as me or treat me with so much more respect than to be sitting in a situation that feels like I'm just being tolerated. And now I'm like, I feel like I'm one of those people who have just complained and complained and complained and complained about wanting their situation to change. And it's like, just change it. And then I'm kind of feeling like one of those people where it's like, Complaining, complaining, complaining about wanting to be somewhere else and the door is open. Nobody's stopping you. Like you're complaining, complaining, and complaining about how people treat you and how you be treated somewhere else and how what how much better you'd be doing with you know, in another place and nobody would like stop you. Nobody's gonna chase you. Like if they're going if that's how they are, let them go, leave them, like who cares? But like like it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy because it's like I know <laughs> I know I know so well that you know I chose to stay cuz it's like if I know that so much if I'm so like they know I know that they know I do that they know I leave. They know I wouldn't care. Well, I would care, but they know I can move on. They know I can survive. They know I'd be okay. 
And if that's the most obvious thing that I would do, then why would they be so, like, why is everything pushing me to that point? Why are they trying to get me to do that? If they know that's what I do, unless that's also what they want. And even I am just like, okay, that's what they want and that's what they're going to get. I don't care. I don't care about nothing surrounding that. Like, you want that and I don't got time for it. That's what you're going to get. But funny how, you know, God sends me here. Tells me what I'm sent to do. Does everything I need, you know... Makes it clear, spells it out. Nothing has been more clear in my life. Ever. And I've been sure about a a lot of things. Never been this sure. About this decision. Like I can't say fully 100%. But him sending me here and him being in control of this. I've never been more sure about this in my life. Never been sure about anything more in my life. And then, even when I start to second guess and question this, because everything points to just let it go. Just leave it. Just don't worry about it. Just let that, you know, don't fight for that. Let them go. Don't stress yourself out. Don't suffer. It's not worth it. Go where you're wanted, right? I always get that memo, that reminder, that unignorable sign from God. Like, I said stay. I put you here for a reason. And I know that everything is so tough and everything's so hard. And you know, I know you, that you would, you would leave, At the first sign of, you know, sound like anybody, feeling like anybody's tolerating you, trouble, or you feel unwanted, you will be gone. You will never stay anywhere you're unwanted. Not even for a second. Matter of fact, a lot of times you're not even places you're wanted. You a lot of times choose to be alone because people are wishy-washy or because you know you're more comfortable alone it's not always because of them and I put you here and now all of a sudden everybody wants to act like they don't they don't want you here now all of a sudden everybody's trying to get you out now all of a sudden everybody wants to go against what I said to do and you're gonna do it no. Like, you're smart, right? You're smart and so you feel like, if if I was smart, I wouldn't sit around for this. If I was smart, I would leave. But guess what? If you're so smart, you're smart enough to realize what I told you to do, what I sent you to do. And if you're smart enough to realize that what I sent you to do is important that you're smart enough to realize that as much as they're trying to get you to go and leave it that's a sign not a sign to go because you're smarter than that that's too obvious that's too simple it's a it's a sign 
to stay and do something different this time. Because even you said it. They know and you know you would have left. You would be okay in another situation without them, without all of this. They know that. So why are they trying to push you to do that? Doesn't that sound too simple, too easy? And if that isn't, you know, if if you can't, if you're not convinced by, like, like, like let's say that's not enough for you. I put you here. So if I put you here, why all of a sudden would I just want you to go? As clear as I made it that I want you to be here, that's how clear I will make it that I want you to go. God has never, never, ever, ever been as clear as he was when he told me to come here, that he was not to come here. That he was bringing me here. Not only did God tell me that he was bringing me here. He set up a flight. He set up a home. He set up a situation for me to be in rent free for as long as I wanted. As long as I needed to get on my feet. And people aren't that welcoming. Especially when they don't know you that well. I don't care even if they do. People are not that welcoming. I'm going to say there are some people that's that's super welcoming like that, actually. But a lot of times it's like, I'm going to need a little rent. I'm going to need to see something from you, like going to get a job and then eventually pay rent. You know, that too, though. I'm not going to say that that wasn't the case. It was a little bit of the case. But it's like a lot of times people have ulterior motives, you know. But this had nothing to do with them or anything they were doing, but everything to do with God. Have you, like, God has never been so clear. He got, he, like, it was so clear what he said and what he did this time that every single thing, like, now at this point, after he's done this, I'm like, okay. So every single prayer I've ever prayed and and thought that I didn't, I wasn't getting answers to my prayers and was upset about it. Like, does God really exist because I'm not getting answers? Now I know, like, that confirms each and every single last one of those prayers now. Because if he answered this prayer like this, with not only a clear answer, like, like words and a plan. No, 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 not a plan. Like, he planned it, but he didn't tell me what he was going to do. Well, he told me what he was going to do, but not specifically. Well, specifically, but, like, he made it happen. But actual response, an actual response, and made everything happen where I don't even have to lift a finger. The only thing I have to do is participate. The only thing I have to do is agree. The only thing I have to do is take myself. I don't have to take nothing. I don't have to have nothing. Just me and my faith in God. That's it. And if he answered that clearly, that made me question each and every single time before when I've ever prayed. And it was confusing to me where I felt like, why am I not getting an answer? Or it's been so many times I've asked God, God, should I do this? God, should I do this? God, should I do this? And then it feels like either I'm forcing it or feels like I'm not getting a clear answer. I'm confused whether I should do it or not. Should I go here? Should I go there? I'm being tossed to and fro. Or, you know, it feels like it's failed many, many times. But God, should I keep doing this? Because, you know, I love it. 
you know, or I really want this to happen, or I really want to know if this is for me. Any now, every single time that's happened, I've known he wasn't ignoring me. <laughs> that was an answer because he answered his prayer like this no confusion, for sure. Everything is clear. Not only is everything clear, it's set, it's ready. I don't have to lift a pinky. It's for sure. And if he answers my prayer like that, it doesn't matter if it was a million different prayers that never got answered. A million different prayers I had the answer to whether I was confused or not because I didn't get the answer like this. If the answer is not like this from God, then you know the answer. You just don't want to accept it. I'm sure there's somebody out there like, what? I've never had that kind of encounter with God. Or what? There's been so many different things that I didn't get that kind of answer, but things worked out. Yes, he'll make things work out for you. He loves you. A lot of times he's merciful and gracious. He feels bad. He feels bad for you. He does. But if you had listened to him, you pop your it would have been so clear. Usually it's so clear. A lot of times we conf- we confuse ourselves. A lot of times we convince ourselves the answer we want to hear when God has already spelled it out for us. And no answer is an answer. The answer is no. Simple. And I know it hurts because you're probably like, God, I really want to take care of this person. I really want to, you know, be there for this person. They really need me. Should I go? And you don't get no answer. No. Don't go. Don't be there for that person. Sorry. And if you go anyways, guess what? He loves you. He'll 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 make sure you're okay. But I'm pretty sure that you'll figure out a million different ways why you should have just listened. No. A lot of times it's a it's a million different reasons why not. Like they may they may not really even need you. Maybe you're inserting yourself. Maybe you feel like they need you. Like maybe you have a dependency issue. You need someone to depend on you. Or maybe you don't even have it to give. They're taking advantage. Or maybe he needs you to do something else. Like it's so hard for us to believe that God doesn't want us to do certain things because we want to do it. Or we feel like. It validates some type of righteousness when God's idea of righteousness is something totally different. You think going to go take care of this family member and being there for this family member is like the godly thing to do. And in reality, God is like, if that's the case, what about that youth group that you could be taking care of? What about that youth group you could be volunteering your off time to? I'd rather you take care of them because guess what? To take care of somebody you love and that loves you, even a heathen can do that. You're not impressing me. That's not the godly thing to do. You're just validating. You're trying to validate yourself with empty gestures. And trust me, you're not impressing me. I need you to go take care of the people that you don't like to be around. Go take care of the people who hate you. Or go take care of the people who's difficult. Go take care of the people you're not you know you're not all you're not so sure that you know it's going to be it's going to it's going to always be validating but you know it's going to be worth it the godly thing to do is not always what we think it is we have human minds human thoughts human ways and we think that 
the godly thing to do, you know, would be to do this. Like, that. you told yourself that. You told yourself that. And guess what? God says that they do these things in the open when everyone's looking in order to look godly and look righteous. But guess what? What they have is what they'll get. That's it. That's all they're getting. That right there. You didn't impress me. You didn't even care to impress me. You felt like that would look good. You felt like you would be validated in some way. And even when you feel like, what a validation am I getting from taking care of my sick family member? The sick family member is grateful. There's sick strangers. Take care of them. What are you really getting out of that? And you don't have to broadcast it either. Just do it. Like, we validate our own selves a lot of different ways. And God's way is so different. And I saw this post recently, which was is obvious. And it's a little bit wrong with it, too. But for the most part, it's it's. It gets like it it gets the point across and the post said that you don't know humility and you have never been humbled until God sends you to wait on and serve the very people who've drug your name through the dirt and have hurted you. Excuse me, have hurt you. <laughs> that's what real humility and that's what real humble that's what it's really like to be humbled. And a lot of us can't do that. That's where we draw the line. Like, I love God, you know. I'll do this for God. I'll do that for God. But that person over there who's sabotaging me, hating on me, or who is just so evil towards me, who's always trying to hurt me, who's doing this, who's doing that, my pride won't let me. My pride won't let me serve them. My pride is not going to let me, you know, be a good person to them. Now, imagine waiting on the very person who drags your name through the dirt or treats treats you like trash? They sit in they sit in in the seat. They sit in wherever they at with their head up high. The pride, their pride being pampered and catered to by your by your servitude, happy to look down on you, nose high up to the sky. They looking down on you, laughing, giggling, loving every second of it. And you, your ego, your pride is destroyed. It's destroyed. It's past stepped on. It's obliterated. It has been obliterated a long time ago and they still going. That's what God wants to see. That's how you impress him. Because you said, why would God want to see that? Why does God want to see my pride stepped on, my dignity walked through, trampled over? Why would God want to see me serve someone who hates me and doesn't appreciate a second of it? Shouldn't I be serving people who appreciate it? Because God wants to see humility. He wants to see confidence and trust in him. You, How much confidence and trust in him does it take for you to serve people who appreciate it. When you serve someone who doesn't appreciate it and will never appreciate it, you know what happens. 
you have no reason it it you ha- like no on the outside you get no validation at all whatsoever matter of fact you get the opposite of validation you get whatever sense of confidence that you had pride ego snatched validation puffs up the pride puffs up the ego puffs up the sense of self but the opposite of validation is snatching all of that away whatever you did have not only are you not getting more i'm taking what you had and that's how you impress god because guess what that's you're clearly not doing that for yourself you're getting nothing out of it nothing and even if you think, well, at least I'm getting that out of it. Nope, you're not even going to get that. It's not going to feel good. It's not going to feel good until you accept you don't need that validation. You don't need your pride to be pampered. And you don't need an ego to truly serve God. That's the only way. Until then, it's going to be a long, hard road. A long hard road because God is going to do nothing but keep putting you in positions to prove it's not for self. It's not about you. It's not about yourself. And if it ever was about you and about yourself, then guess what? That's all you get. Is that what you're doing it for? Okay, fine. You have that. That's it. Don't come looking for nothing else. You want your treasures to be stored up in heaven. You want to solidify a spot for eternity. You want to find grace and mercy. You want to find favor with me. You want to find acceptance with me. Acceptance from me, not man. That's what you want? Okay, so it takes completely getting rid of all of validation and acceptance of man. And that's that takes pretty much everything that you think makes you human. Because the reason why I say that you think is because, of course, we all think different things. Of course, we all have different mindsets. Everybody's mindset is not the same. But a lot of different things in life and a lot of different ways about life. And pretty much, I don't want to say that because it sounds so cliche. But just pretty much we've gotten used to as humans going about our daily lives in a certain way. Going about our daily lives in a certain manner. Where even when we don't think we're seeking validation, we are. For example, when we go to church on Sunday and we're praising God, right? You're going to church on Sunday, you praising God and you think that you're doing it for God. But are you really doing it for God? How genuine are you? Because God ain't only calling you on Sunday. And let's say it's not just Sunday that you praising God, right? How... Like, what? what's your call from God and what does it consist of? Because I'm not even going to lie to you. I, I used to go to church on Sunday when I was a kid. But ever since, I ain't been to church many Sundays after that. And I'm not encouraging people to leave their church. But what I'm saying is, in all that time, my heart. Yes, the scripture says, raise a child up, train a child up in how they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. But all I know is I had gone so many different ways in my life. 
a lot of times wanting to be in church, feeling like I wasn't who I was supposed to be because I wasn't in church. And the whole time God said, I'm right here. I'm not just at church. I'm with you everywhere you go. I'm in your heart. You don't need a church to praise me. You don't need a church to love me. You don't need a church to do what you're supposed to do. People, and not I want to say everybody, but most people that you see in church, they're not going to church for me. Because I'm in your heart. I'm everywhere. I'm, I'm there all the time. But they don't act right all the time. And I just grew up like, not really being in church and feeling like I was so far from God and God always reminded me, you'll never be too far from me because I've always got my eyes on you. You may stray, but never far. And I realized that, you know, it had a lot to do with the way I went about my daily life. I went about my daily life more humble than most, not self-righteous. And I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to pump myself up. I'm just noticing this now. That, you know, I was grateful for the little that I had. Grateful for my family and the things that matter the most. Rich in spirit because of God. And I had a good heart where the things that I do, I do them and I don't even notice it. And I'm a, I'm pleasing God based off of who I am. It's who I am. It's not who I'm trying to be. And whenever I was trying to be good, whenever I was trying to do something good, you know, I thought that I would say I, I was not the person to think, oh, I'm, a, I'm impressing God. But a lot of times I thought that was the way to go. I thought you had to do this kind of stuff to impress God. And I did not realize I was already impressing God when I wasn't even trying. Because God keeps counting ways you may never imagine. You can never imagine. He's keeping count, you know, in the ways like maybe you woke up this morning and you thought, you know, did my family eat? You didn't think, I got to make sure I get up and make a meal for my family so that God can look down on me and say, that's my child. No. You walk past a homeless person and you feel compelled to give. And it's not because you want to, you know, tell somebody you gave that money to them. You gave them your last because you could just imagine yourself in that position. You could just imagine yourself hungry. Each and every single day, your heart is focused on making a difference and seeing people not in the position that you have been in. You starve growing up. So your heart naturally gravitates towards feeding people, making sure people have eaten, checking on people, making sure they're okay. For me, I used to find so much joy and love and just the best memories came out of when I had family around me and we would just make up games. We didn't have toys sometimes. A lot of times we didn't even have running water, but we would just we would just make up different things to entertain ourselves. And we knew that we hadn't ate all day. Our stomachs was growling 
and you know empty and eating eating itself you know when your stomach feel like it's eating itself like our stomachs are touching our backs but we found a game to take our mind off of it and when we look back at those times we don't even we almost don't remember we were starving we just remember the game we made up we just remember how fun it was to have each other these times brought us together the most and these times was is what made what made us the most inseparable and not only did it make us the most inseparable it made us the most selfless it taught us to look out for others more than ourselves it taught us to consider each other it taught us to be selfless in a way where it's like now i know you know what it's like to watch someone eat i would never eat in nobody's face now I know what it's like, you know, to scavenge for food. So I'm going to willingly give. I know what it's like to not have toys or things on Christmas and holidays. So I'm going to, you know, find new interesting ways to entertain. For me, I told myself that the best parts about my about my childhood was the memories we made with each other without needing the extra gifts and the extra things. So I wanted to be able to do that for the kids coming up in my family. There was a bunch of kids coming up in my family, and I said that I would never lose my child side. I would never lose that part of me that's childlike. So when I'm around kids, and I'm always, and I always have them around me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach them how I used to entertain myself without toys. Now, they might have a lot of toys, but guess what? Even without the toys or if you put the toys to the side, guess what? I'm going to think of the most fun, interesting game to keep you entertained for hours. And you won't even care about the toy. The toy is not even fun as fun. I've done this plenty of times. And I think that that's the best part because as a kid, you know... I know a lot of people think that you have to lavish gifts on your kids. You have to have all these materialistic things for your kids. And a lot of people think that the only way to prevent their children from growing up how they did is to put a lot of money in their face and to replace, you know, a lot of just make sure that it's a lot of money around, a lot of access to materialistic things. When as a kid, the main thing you remember is the time spent. The only thing you really want is the time and the attention and the love. And I realized, like, I'll always have that. Now, I do want to be, you know, successful, of course. That's always, I can never say that I grew up thinking, you know, I want to be unsuccessful so that, you know, my descendants can suffer like I did. No. But you know what I did? You know what I did? I prayed to God about it and asked him. And what he told me was focus on what's most important. And what I found was most important was not the money or the things that we lacked, but the things that we had. And a lot of times it was easy to overlook what we had because we had so little. But think about this. You can spend all day thinking about what you don't have. 
So how about the time that you're missing or the or how about you replace all the time you have to focus on what you don't have and focus on what you do? And if you put that time into focusing on what you do have and change your perspective and your mindset, you'll find that it's so much more that you didn't even realize that you had. If you could put all that time into what you actually do have, you'll find that you only marked up a couple of things because you thought, I have so little, so... You know, I only spend a little bit of time worried about that anyways. But change your mindset and really elaborate on what you have. And you'll find you have a bunch. You have a lot. And that's what's to be appreciated. Focus on what's most important. And once I started to appreciate what I did have. Because I'm not I'm not even going to lie. Honestly, it almost wasn't that hard. Because... I just saw it as a lot. (laughs) I, well, I'm not going to lie. I'm not stupid. I knew it was a little. But in my heart, I saw it as a lot. I saw it as a lot. I was just, I remember when I think about my childhood memories, I just remember being so happy. I was so happy. Even when I starved all day. I remember just running around without food to eat, running water in the house, and just a lot of times, no toys. Just running around, starving all day. But I was so entertained and so happy. And when I, when I actually, by the time I actually realized my stomach was empty, I'm like, wow, I guess I haven't been eating. I can't say that it was easy to overlook every single time. I can't say that, you know, a lot of times I just, it was so easy to be like, oh, I don't know, I'm hungry. Like, no, a lot of times my stomach hurt it so bad that I had to force myself to go to sleep to not think about it. A lot of times I really did starve. A lot of times we really were starving, but I never wasn't like I just noticed, I'm not going to say I never wasn't happy, but I just remember being so happy. When I look back, I don't remember. Well, yes, I remember starving, but when I look back, I don't remember being sad. I don't remember being miserable, um, depressed. I don't remember focusing on the bad. I remember running around being happy. Yes, I remember we didn't have things. Yes, I remember a lot of times the things we did have, you know, were, you know, lacking. But I remember being happy regardless. And you know what I remember more than anything? The age I stopped being happy. And the age I stopped being happy was when I started focusing on the things I didn't have. That's funny. So we put that as a, like, I think the reason why God tells you to have childlike faith, because as an adult, we comp- we complicate things. As an adult, we 
expect a child to have the same mindset as us. So we're thinking to ourselves, you know, I don't have this and I don't have that. And I know you see other people with this and other people with that. And I know you want it for yourself, so you must feel miserable not being able to have it. But only you can inflict that type of mindset on your child. Because in reality, guess what your child is focused on? What they do have. And if they don't have anything, then they're probably preoccupied with making do what they have. Or, excuse me making making something up because it's funny to me that something that caught my attention like children can have all the toys in the world but they still want to play with random stuff like you know wooden spoons from the kitchen or I don't know tv remotes it's never about the toy You inflict that type of materialistic mindset on your child because you complicate things. And then you're desperate. Excuse me, not desperate. Depressed. You're depressed and you're upset about what you cannot provide for your child. And the only thing your child is worried about is why aren't you happy? They're not worried about the things that you're worried about. Oh, I can't provide this. I can't provide that. Your child just wants you to be happy with them. Your child just wants you to smile when you're around. Your child just wants you to spend time with them and not be upset. But you're spending so much time depressed and sad. And it's causing you to not even pay attention to your child's feelings and what your child is seeing from you. And that's what creates the memories, not what you wasn't able to provide. What creates the memories is how you reacted to it, how you handled it. So if nothing more, when you're around your child, pretend like there's no problem in the world. Make do what you got. Be creative. You don't need toys. You don't have to buy them expensive toys and you don't need toys to find a creative game to play with your child. But I think what keeps you from doing that is you thinking that you need a toy to do it. We are humans. We are so creative. At one point, toys didn't even exist. We made them. And you know what's so funny? How if you took away anything out of this world right now, as humans, we would find a creative way to get it done anyways. So why do we feel we need certain things and can't maneuver without them? The only thing you have to have is nourishment for your body, which is food and water and air to breathe. Somewhere to lay your head so you can sleep. All of these things are really honestly flexible. Not too flexible, but you'll survive. And as long as you know that as long as you have God, as long as you have, well, as long as you have God, period, you'll have everything you need. But you need to realize that. Imagine if these things that you think that you need never even existed. How would you have made do? And don't tell me you wouldn't have because it would be so funny. It would be so beautiful, honestly. I'm not going to lie. I see things differently now. It would be so beautiful if God took it all away right now. You know how creative we would get that day? 
If God took everything we thought we needed right now, cell phones, Wi-Fi, internet, expensive shoes, toys, you know, expensive clothes, all this stuff we think we need, TVs, cars, all this stuff we think we need. If he took, if God took it right now, we would be out here making do with what we have because we wouldn't have a choice. And I, and God has taught me something so important lately that he gives us a choice and that's a luxury. Because once he puts us in a position where we don't have a choice, we make it happen anyway. So a lot of times we're just making excuses. God has put me in a position that I still have a choice. But also at the same time, I don't. And that usually means like, yeah, I can go and do this, but then I won't have that. And if that's really important to me, then I'll make it happen with what I got. And if what I got is nothing, then that means it's all I need. And I've never seen more done in my life when God made it so that I didn't have a choice. But why? I mean, but I do have a choice. The door is open. But I don't have a choice because this is what I want. And if it's really that important, then I don't have a choice but to make do. But I noticed one thing about myself that made me, that truly humbled me and made me just feel so guilty. It made me feel so bad that why does God have to put me in that position like a child? You know, when you have a kid and your child wants to do what they want to do, but you get stern and you say, listen, you're going to do this or that's going to happen. I'm taking that. You're doing this or corner. You're doing this or a butt whooping. And then your child gets to make it happen. What was impossible to them before is now made possible. Whatever it was that they said that was impossible. Oh, I can't lift my leg. I can't get up. I don't know how. It's impossible. You know, now they on their way to do it. That's what God had to do for me. And I felt so guilty. I felt so bad because I said, I really am a child. Because all this time I made excuses. All this time I was so sure that it was not possible. I was so sure that. It was, you were asking way too much for me. You were asking for the impossible. Then you put me in this position to show me that really you are being lenient. Very, 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 very lenient. And that all of those things, all everything that I was doing was excuses. Every reason I had for not doing it. Even though I thought to myself, what? That's common sense. It was excuses. Like, I would say this and I know that somebody is going to say I sound crazy. The need for a shower. The need for a meal even. The need to sleep. These things that we that we call necessities in life. 
I sat there and I worshiped God and I neglected these things because what it was that he was threatening to take away from me would have been, if I wanted enough, if I felt it was important enough to get there after what I had seen, after what he had shown me and what was at risk, then I would have made it happen. I was I was able to give up food, water, and air. Even sleep. I was able to give up all these things. And I thought that I had already given up enough with not partying. You know, not drinking. Not smoking. I thought I had given up enough with that. He took me all the way down to no food, no water, no sleep, and no air. And even still, that's a luxury. And I can just imagine somebody saying, how do you not have air? You would be dead. Exactly. Exactly. Without air, I would be dead. But God made it possible. Like literally, he took my soul to a different place where I did not need food. I didn't need water. And the energy I didn't have, he gave. The things I did not think I could do, he made possible. And I was able to see so much clearer. The clearest I've ever seen in my life in these moments. I'm not saying that everybody's capable of doing that are with God though I'm not saying that you have to maybe this is just a personal mission for myself maybe but what he's shown me what I what he's shown me and what I've seen I'm telling you there's nothing that you could ever have in this world there's nothing you could ever do in this world there's no place you could ever go in this world All of the greatest experiences and things in this world combined couldn't make up for it. You could say that's a personal opinion, but I bet you if I was able to give you that experience, you would agree. So it's easy to say that's a personal opinion when you haven't tried it. And I would say give it a shot. It's definitely worth it. Because it's something that seems that it should be a necessity that you cannot live without. But we're living without it. And we feel something missing the entire time. And we try and fill it with so many different things just to drive ourselves crazy thinking. Why isn't anything working? And the whole time, that's what it is. Not only... When you finally get it, you think that's what's been missing the whole time. You think it doesn't make sense for me to never have had it. This seems like more of a necessity than food, water, or air. And this whole time, I've been without it. It's more than a missing limb. You can live without a limb. You can't live without this. It's more than anything your flesh or this world can offer. And you're supposed to have it. It's your right. You're supposed to be born with it. And guess what? 
it's being kept from you. I'm telling you, that will make you madder than any anything you've ever felt angry about. I don't care what it is that makes you mad. Black Lives Matter. Black men being shot dead in the street. Children dying at young age of cancer. Unfair circumstances in this world. Anything is any 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 issue in this world that has ever angered you. Nothing would make you more upset than that being kept from you when it's your born right. What is it that's being kept from you? Your right to peace. Fulfillment of your soul, completeness, wholeness. I'm telling you. Your head will pop off. It would explode. If you finally got this. And then realize. That's what it was. It was your born right and somebody took it. Without your consent. Without the right to. They took that from you. And this whole time. They have been. Convincing you. Misleading you. And tricking you into living without it. I'm telling you that will make you so mad. It will. It's past anger. It's past being furious. It is. I don't know. It's like. Everything clicks at one point. And also everything disconnects at one point. at the All at the same time. And you feel so mad. Oh, you feel so angry. That you want to destroy somebody for being responsible for this. But it's not somebody. It's Satan. And matter of fact, I take that back. I don't want to give him that much power or control over you or your destiny or your born right. It's you. It's your family. Excuse me. It's your ancestors. It's people in this world and their sin that has taken away your born right. Wholeness. Completion. We're all supposed to be born complete. They took that from you. And we're going around. Imagine somebody taking the best thing. Imagine somebody just taking your heart, snatching your heart away from you. And then, I don't know, giving you what something somebody everybody loves. Money. And guess what? You can say you like money. Okay, I'm good with that. But just let's just see money as just a piece of paper right now. Let's say somebody snatches your will to live and replaces it with a stack of paper. Let me make it a little bit more understandable even though it's not equivalent let's say you're born without the ability to walk but the whole time somebody was carrying your ability to walk hey 
I can give you this and you be able to get up and walk. But instead of giving you that ability to walk, they gave you, hmm, I don't know, a video of some legs. A picture of some. Something that looked nice on legs that can walk. Like that's a, <laughs> like that's just one a small example, but really no in all serious no like you cannot ever compare your wholeness your completeness like the void the one thing that's missing in your heart and in your soul you can never ever compare that to anything here because unless you experience what it is and how it feels then you don't know what you're missing. I can't even say that. You know what you're missing. You know what you're missing. You know it your whole life. But you can't put your finger on it. And it causes you to act out in certain different ways. It causes you to indulge in other things that, you know, take your mind off of it. Or make you feel a little bit good. But you're never able to get that. Then once it's finally given to you, you feel so angry about why you had why you weren't afforded to have it the entire time. And getting it from God, which is where you have to get it to know what I'm talking about. But getting it from God is realizing that it's been right the whole time. That was meant for you the whole time. Somebody took that from you. You took what belonged to me. You took my stuff, my things, and you knew I needed it to live. You knew I needed that. I guess I just kind of realized myself. Even missing the same thing that I wanted everybody to have. Even if, you know, I had to, I want to say sacrifice my own. Because to the extent of fighting so hard for everyone to have it, of course I want myself to have it too. I'm not going to lie and say even to the extent of sacrificing my own, no. I want everybody to get it and me too. So at the, at the, I want to say at the least or at the most, but if anything, I'll be willing to get mine's last. As long as we all get ours. I'd be willing. I don't have to be first because I care so much that everybody gets theirs. But you know what's better? Then not what being willing to sacrifice my own for everybody else's. What's better is not getting mine and not caring if everybody else got theirs. That's what's messed up. So, I'm not perfect. I guess perfect would be like Jesus sacrificing your own in order for everybody else to get theirs. Not I guess I know. That's what perfect is. I'm more of, I probably am not capable of that. 
I'm not perfect. I can't say that I I am. And I can't say that I would be willing to sacrifice mine for everybody else to get theirs. I'm probably still imperfect in that way. But I am willing to fight for everybody else to get theirs. And that's a lot more than other people are willing to do. Some people, they don't want theirs and they don't want you to have yours. Some people get theirs and they don't care if you get yours. Some people get theirs and they want to be the only person who got it. So they don't want you to get yours. And then I fall somewhere in between, you know. I'd be willing to get mine the last if everybody else was able to get theirs. But also at the same time, I need mine. I need mine because I know how important it is. I know how vital it is. I know how precious it is. And if I didn't want mine at all, or was willing to sacrifice mine, and I'm not Jesus, do I really appreciate it for what it is? Because I got to have that. I got to have that completeness. I got to have that wholeness. I got to have that 100% me. I need that. Like, I love you so much. I love us all so much. And I want you to have your soul much. Just as much as I want mine. But I don't want to not have mine. And if I said that I did not want to not. If I, if I said I didn't want to have mine. Or I wasn't going to get mine. And I was willing for you to have yours instead of mine. Would you let me do that? And if you did, you know, that's messed up. But that being said, we do have Jesus who said, I already have mine. But I see all these people who don't have theirs. There's no way I could keep mine while they don't have theirs. So you know what? I'll sacrifice mine. Not only will I just sacrifice it because I could just, you know, step on it myself. I'll let them all trample on it themselves so that they can get theirs. He said, I see a bunch of people who don't even want nobody to have theirs because they don't have it. So let them take mine and trample over it so that they can have it. And even if I don't have one, They'll have it, and that's good enough for me. That's what Jesus said for us. You know what we did? We took it and we trampled over it happily. But guess what? He meant it. So now we can have ours. I want mine. I can't let you take that from me. I wouldn't take that from you. What I can do is... Pray that the Lord gives me the ability to get you yours too.